It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's head? This is where I grew up. I think the president ought to fix it up. I never knew we ever went without. The second floor is hot for sneaking out. And this is where I went to school. Most of the time, I had better things to do. Criminal record says I've broken twice. I must have done it half a dozen times. I wonder if it's too late. Should I go back and try to graduate? This is Nickelback. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on uh, this program, just join our Facebook group. Uh, just go on Facebook and search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's uh, M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. I have hated not being able to talk with Brian Kilmeade for two weeks. Uh, last week he had some holiday that he was celebrating. I don't know. It must be a very unique kind of niche holiday. Uh, the week before, he was uh, out there in the state of Tennessee, and uh, in spite of the fact that we've been having him on for two years, we were unable to locate his phone number, but I am thrilled that we have been reunited. Very pleased to welcome back to the program New York Times best-selling author, co-host of Fox & Friends, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and a man whose book, Teddy and Booker T, is not only educating a lot of people, but it is tearing up the, the charts. Brian, it's great to talk to you again. Hey, thanks so much. And uh, the first time I was able to talk about it in public, you were there uh, in Atlantic City with the great Harry Hurley. So uh, going out, doing a whole bunch of events last night in New Jersey, uh, talking about uh, Tay Roosevelt and Booker T. Washington. Th uh, three straight weeks on the list. So well, hanging in there. Congratulations. By the way, also, uh, not to you know be a downer, but I want to um, you know tell you I'm sorry. I know that your uh, dog passed away recently, and I know how much of a dog person you are. I hope you guys are doing okay. Yes, yeah, uh, pretty sudden. Thanks. Uh, Eight-year-old Great Pyrenees. He's got a brother. Uh, they were inseparable, so I think it's starting to sink in that his uh, brother's not coming home, uh, and he happens to be deaf. Oh. So, so it's uh, we're more worried about his brother right now. But thank you. Yeah, that's rough. Um, l let me also ask you about a very high-profile person that passed away. Uh, Henry Kissinger uh, passed away at a hundred. You've been uh, pretty integrally involved in uh, commenting and covering uh, national security and foreign policy issues for over the last couple of decades. I, I am certain that you've had some occasion to interact with Henry Kissinger over the years. Just out at the Al Smith dinner, the most recent time, I went up and talked to him before his speech. And it was a little overmodulated, but he wrote it all at 100 years old. He was the keynote speaker at this famous event that everybody knows uh, hosts and raises a ton of money. And I was able to sit on the dais and he was diagonally in front of me. And my history with him, my first book, The Games Do Count, I put him in it because he uh, because of his days in soccer. He says during his time in uh, as the emergence of Nazi Germany he used to play in the soccer team. One day he shows up and they said, okay, the Jews play on one team, everybody else plays on the other. And they saw how brutal it got, and he, that was the beginning of him realizing uh, as a family that they had to get out of there. 
and he would be the biggest advocate for soccer from when it merged in the 70s, when it died out in the 90s, when it came ripping back, when we got the World Cup in 94. That was, um, it was almost all Kissinger. He was using all his diplomatic skills to wow. try to bring the game here, and that's the reason there's an MLS today. Uh, because without that money from the World Cup, there wouldn't have been a foundational money. And then you have all these other leagues that have cropped up around it. So that's one thing we always had in common. We always talk soccer. That's wild. I guarantee you're the only person anybody's going to hear on the radio today um, talking about Henry Kissinger in a soccer context. That's wild. I knew you would have an interesting story. Um, let me ask you about the presidential race. Obviously, it seems like a lot of the stop Trump at any cost folks within the donor class and among the rank and file Republicans seems like they're all lining up behind Nikki Haley. Uh, recently, just this week, they were endorsed by the Koch Brothers Network, American for Prosperity Action. What does that do for her? Do you think, um, I mean, it doesn't seem like she was hurting for money to begin with. Does this add a little bit of organizational heft to her campaign? And is it going to make any difference? Yes. Uh, I you know, listen, she's, she's doing uh, things right. She's trailing Trump significantly. I get it. But she's, but she's ticking up. And we've been over this, Frank, almost from day one when, tr- when Trump made it clear he's going to run. How do you run against him as a Republican, let alone a Democrat? So first, how do you run against him and not alienate the people that vote for him? Is it possible? Well, DeSantis, I'm not, I'm not saying he's out tonight. There's a huge debate. I think huge upside, huge downside for him for his future. We could be looking at this debate in four years, Newsom against DeSantis. Who knows? Circumstances have to fall into place. But... DeSantis was out, thought uh, Trump was more vulnerable. These court cases have bol- uh, bolstered Trump in a way that nobody thought possible. But the first thing you do, if, if um, Brian Kilmeade's running against Frank Morano, I sit there on a daily basis and talk about how much better I am than you, and you do the same to me. You can't do that to Trump. And she realized that first. Uh, he did a great job in 2016. He was the right person then. I'm the right person now. Because she knows. I don't care what you think. Insulting Trump, you're telling his voters to not vote for you. And you got to figure out a way. So what she does now is go after DeSantis. She's trying to clear the field in order to see if she could close the gap. And she's going to pick her spots. And when it's finally time, if she gets a debate, that's when I think that she says, great job, but I could do it better. And here's where I'm better. And we'll try to work around the edges. And now money will not be a problem to get the message out. Having said all that, you know, Trump's a, Trump's a force of nature. He does not need the Koch brothers. He never had the Koch brothers. They've always been against him. And he's not, I don't think he's worried about that. Yeah, I, I think I think your read on the situation is pretty uh, pretty right on the money. Now, let's say uh, Nikki Haley does better than expected in Iowa. Let's say she either wins, which would be a major upset, or she has a, a strong second-place finish. Uh, the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who was talking about running himself, he is saying that he's going to endorse either Haley, DeSantis, maybe yeah. even Christie. Um, is Sununu popular enough? And I asked you because you've spent a fair amount of time in New Hampshire. Is Sununu popular enough in New Hampshire that he could provide a jolt in the arm or a shot in the arm for Haley's campaign up there? Yeah, I mean, d- during the right before the pandemic in 2019, I did one of those days in the life, and he just was just randomly going into the supermarkets, and we were going into voting booths. It was the day of the vote of the primary, just ju- jumping in. He had no idea if 
You know, people are pretty polite in New Hampshire, but he had no idea if he was going to walk in the headwinds. But he, the people loved him, and he's got a lot of energy. I will say that I think they did some polls, and Trump beat him pretty soundly in his own state. But having said that, I think it would make a difference. I think there's only 1.4 million people in New Hampshire. So if you have momentum coming out of Iowa, if you shock in Iowa and upset Trump, and you're close in New Hampshire, you have the governor's endorsement, plenty of money, and then you go into New Hampshire, if Nikki Haley's to do well or DeSantis does really well, it really make a difference. But I don't think it's the deciding factor. Moving to the general election, I I think personally it's a big question mark, even still at this point, whether Biden is still going to be on the ballot. But let's let's presume that uh, that Biden is still in the race. He has developed over the course of the last month uh, and a half a huge problem with Arab voters and Muslim voters. Uh, We're seeing polling for what it's worth that uh, even from the Arab American Institute, they say that about 59% of Arab American voters supported Biden in 2020. They say their polling indicates that percentage has dropped dramatically in recent weeks. If you look at Michigan, where we're on the air now on uh, AM 910, the superstation, Biden won by 154,000 votes. The Arab population in Michigan is 278,000. In Arizona, Biden won by 10,500 votes. The Arab population there is 55,000. In Georgia, where Biden won by 11,800, the Arab population is at least 57,000. Ironically, could it be the Arab vote that keeps Biden from a second term? Right. Uh the only thing I would say is you're probably not going to like Trump or Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis if you don't like Biden's policies because they would all be more pro-Israel and tougher on Hamas because they wouldn't be equivocating right now. So right now you have President Biden trying to have it both ways. He's saying, guys, uh, let's just call it a day. Let's just call it a war. And that's basically what he's saying now. Hey, let's just hope the peace lasts, as if the big picture is Hamas can exist and this is not going to happen in eight months. So if the Arab votes out there and says I'm, they'll probably stay home, but I don't see them running to the Republican no. if that's the reason they're disappointed in them. Yeah, you agree? 100%. I mean, again, you, you uh, your, your analysis is generally uh, more astute when it comes to this stuff than, than mine is. But I would think if, um, you know, if some of them stay home, some of them vote for Jill Stein or Cornell West— that becomes uh, the problem for for Biden. I, I don't see uh, Trump winning a lot of uh, a lot of voters or whoever the Republican nominee happens to be. You alluded to the um, Newsom DeSantis debate uh, tonight on uh, on Fox News, which is really going to be something. And kudos to Hannity and to Fox for being able to pull this off. Uh, I really think this is fascinating to watch from a Democratic perspective. If you're Kamala Harris and you're hoping that you're the next Democratic president or the next Democratic nominee, don't you have to be a little perturbed that the person who's front and center and is going to be talked about as the future of the Democratic Party is someone from your home state that's not you? Yeah, I I think that's a good that's a good point. I mean, um, yeah, I think that that's got to. It's got to be somewhat upsetting. I mean, for for tonight in particular, I think both these guys are auditioning for, if not 24-28, they want to be relevant. If DeSantis is going to lose, he's got to lose in a way that makes him look viable for the future. If he gets crushed, you know, you saw how quick Youngkin's stock dropped. That was a off-year election. 
So if they go, if he goes and gets crushed in uh, the caucus, the debate, if he gets crushed tonight in the debate, if he loses the caucus and then stays around for the primary, DeSantis's political career is done. But if he is strong in Iowa, respectable in New Hampshire, crushes Gavin Newsom, last to South Carolina, and exits gracefully, his, his presidential hopes go on pause, uh, his career doesn't go south. So that's the risk of running in 24, you know, and with the way he ran, getting in late and, and taking all that, all the pounding from Trump alienated him. For Gavin Newsom, he looks the part, but he's a terrible governor, was an awful mayor. Uh, he has great poise, but he, he's an inch deep. I was talking to a governor we both know who didn't have me permission to raise his uh, story, but he said that they had a casual lunch. Everyone's talking about Gavin Newsom, that he's an up-and-coming political star. He had no interest in policy. All he cared about was offices. No interest in solving problems. All he cared about was power. And he said, wait a second, you know, this is off the record. There are no cameras here. What is, what is your plan? Now, oh, let's just, you know, let's talk about green technology. Let's just talk about getting rid of, well, well how are you going to do that? How many jobs are you going to lose? What's going to happen if you do raise taxes? And he just could not go deep. My hope is DeSantis comes out tonight and he did his opposition research so, and also did it on himself and said, okay, what is my vulnerability? What is a common Democratic refrain? Why do people get mad at me in my state? You know, whether it's uh, don't say gay bill, which does, never said it, but they tried to label him banning books, which is not what he did. Get sexually explicit books out of uh, grade schools. It's not banning books, but um, it was labeled ineffectively. So when they go after me, what is my answer? If he pre- if he prepares, DeSantis could look great because it's to me, Frank, it's so much easier debating someone who disagrees with you on just about everything as opposed to getting sure. on a stage and looking to my left and right and saying, you guys kind of agree with me on 85%. <laughs> right. How for, do I separate myself yeah, from you? You're for a 12-week abortion ban. I'm for a 15-week abortion ban. Yeah. How much uh, How much bandwidth is there? That's a, that's a great point. Um, the other big story going on in Washington these days is the likely forthcoming expulsion of George Santos, the new speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, says he's got some reservations about expelling Santos. Uh, I'll say this. We had a... Uh a Republican conference meeting in the last hour. Um, there were opinions shared on, on both sides. I'll answer it this way, Manu. Listen, I said that the Republican Party is the rule of law team, and we are. We believe in the rule of law. There are people of good faith who make an argument, both pro and con, for the expulsion uh, resolution for Santos. The, there are people who say you have to uphold the rule of law and allow for someone to be convicted in a criminal court uh, before this um, this 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 tough penalty would be exacted on someone. That's been the precedent so far. There are others who say, well, upholding the rule of law uh, requires us to take this step now because some of the things that he's alleged to have done, uh, the House Ethics Committee having done their job, uh, are infractions against the House itself. And so what we've said as a leadership team is we're going to allow people to vote their conscience. I think it's the only appropriate thing we can do. Um, we've not whipped the vote, and we wouldn't. Um, I, I trust that people will make that decision thoughtfully and in good faith. Um, I personally have real reservations about doing this. I, I'm, I'm concerned about a precedent that may be set for that. Um, so we're, everybody's working through that, and we'll see how they vote tomorrow. But what do you make of that, Brian? What do you think should happen, and do you have any prediction as to what will happen? I mean, the range. I, it's been a while since I looked at his record, but the range of uh, of uh, uh, illogical, unethical moves that he has made just uh, 
are mind-bending. But you got a year left, less than a year left. There's an election. They only have a three. What you, Your goal to shrink a, shrink a four vote margin to a three at this point. I, I kind of like what Johnson's doing. Put it mm. up to a vote. If Republicans who have had a chance to evaluate this, poll test this, want to get rid of him, they'll vote him out. You know every Democrat will vote to vote him out. But what he's trying to say in the in the long run, well, where's the threshold? Uh, all of a sudden, there's a, a congressman who everyone dislikes, let's say like Jamie Raskin on the right. If they have a, a couple of uh, uh, ethic violations there, let's put it up for a vote. Let's get rid of them. So I think that's what he's trying to say. Plus, Kevin McCarthy has said it. He goes, I, re- I can't really afford to lose a vote. And Johnson looks around and goes, I really can't afford to lose a vote. Why don't we just, who is it hurting to fill, fill out the year? In New York, they wanted to get rid of him right away. You know what they did here, Frank. Mm-hmm. They voted right away to toss him out in Nassau County in real time. You know, I, I did a signing last night in New Jersey, and one of the questions was, how did this guy get through? And the thing is, is because we usually have opponents that take care of the other opponent. Right. So if this guy, if you're running against this Congressman Santos, if you want that job in a very tight race, you usually Google him. You know, can, can say, hey, by the way, we got a million staffers here. Just go into his background. See if there's anything. I don't know, by using campaign funds to help out his sister, by lying about everything he accomplished, by uh, going to uh, uh, cross-dressing raves in Brazil. These are a little bit of vulnerabilities that would have been great for someone running against him. So that's usually a self-regulating situation. If I want that seat, I'm going to find out everything about uh, my opponent. This didn't happen this time. It was a small newspaper that was picked up by a major newspaper that quickly blew this open and found out he's a total fraud. So I would I'd probably let it if I'm I'm just being practical. I'm, I'm the speaker's doing the right thing. Put it up for a vote. But if I'm him, I'm secretly hoping that that Santos stays in. I need his vote till the end. Uh, Brian, you had a terrific interview, speaking of Kevin McCarthy, with Kevin McCarthy uh, this week. A lot of speculation about whether he's going to run for re-election next year or not. What do you think? Well, I know he's raising money this year. Um, I, I do believe he's going to run. And I do believe that if a Republican wins, which is likely, you'd be crazy not to put him in. He can move through Congress, move legislation through. His knowledge of foreign policy is off the charts. His contacts overseas are uh, are as good as anybody in Washington. So he's one of these guys with so many contacts, he just gets things done. So if you have a piece of legislation you want to do tax reform, it's great to have Mark Short. It's better to have Kevin McCarthy. Mm. So uh, I think that, that that he's probably waiting to see. I think he declares. I think he's probably waiting to see if a Republican wins and he'll t- go into another seat of power because clearly he's in the prime of his life. He is not looking to retire. Brian, uh, the book that I have absolutely recommended to many people as a terrific stocking stuffer, Teddy and Booker T, is uh, flying off the shelves. And uh, people can still uh, check it out and get a signed copy by going to briankilmead.com. Hope uh, you're enjoying meeting all the folks, talking to them about the book. If there's one thing that I've seen with you, it's uh, that you have a gift for storytelling, whether it's verbal, on the printed page, or on television. And uh, that's certainly been on display with this book tour. So uh, continued good luck. Thanks so much. And I didn't know you were on in Michigan, but I'm going to be there December 16th uh, in Holland, Michigan at the Holland Civic Center. So doing the whole... 
show talking about all the books, patriotic, motivational, inspirational. Terrific. So if everyone wants to go, I hope you uh, just click on uh, click on tickets and hope to meet you in person. That that would be uh, absolutely a great opportunity for people. Check him out, BrianKilmead.com. Thanks, Brian. Best of luck. Okay, and we are going to do that Christmas lunch. Um, oh. So uh, I, I got need roasted you. I'm at the last one. So I, I'm, it did, I'm, but that I'm, was unintentional. Back this year, yes, it you was are. it was a, uh, a a rag on Frank parade at that. Uh, I mean, top to bottom, you Shocking. were the only person that didn't. All right, um, you uh, of course I will be there, and because you were kind okay. enough to pick up the tab last time, thank you, Brian. That's the only reason. Take Stop. take care. Go get it. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a ten year, one hundred thousand mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.